Welcome to another episode of Sloth Baby Productions, excuse me, The Cosmic Circle, the companion podcast for thecosmiccircus.com. And today we're chatting all things the marbles. I'm joined, I'm Isla Ruby, and I'm joined by some very special guests today, Emily, Drew, and Uday. Hi. Hey guys, I'm Drew. Hi, this is Uday. Yay, so it's nice to talk to you guys. Um, We're chatting the marbles, and this is going to be an episode where there are a lot of spoilers, so... Don't touch the shiny hex jump points unless, you know, you really have already seen the marbles. And if you haven't, what are you waiting for? Okay, well, let's get right into it. So, who liked the marbles? What are I your did. overall thoughts? You did? All right, let's hear why, Drew. You're up first. Since you yeah, so, um, yeah, I thought it was good. Um, it's such a touchy subject right now, right? On, like, Twitter and, and social no. media, the marbles. <laughs> I know, right? Like, it's, I feel like I'm, you know, I've seen a good consensus of people that liked it. And I I liked it. Like, so I I think I mentioned this in the group chat with us, but I always come out of movies feeling conflicted because I'm, I I don't process things very quickly with, when it comes to movies, it takes me a while to process my thoughts on movies. And so sometimes if I need to write a review, it takes me like a week to kind of come to a conclusion on what I think. But I came out of the Marvels, like liking it right away. And I think that's probably because of how quick the pacing was and like how just kind of straightforward the movie was. Um, and I really, like, I enjoyed it. Like I thought it was fun. And I think that's what I didn't really have fun with kind of like quantum mania. And like, there was some, I mean, guardians of the galaxy, obviously I had fun with, but this was definitely one of the more like fun Marvel movies I've seen recently. Like, you know, I haven't had this much fun probably since like no way home or like, I mean, guardians, obviously, but. Yeah. I feel like we're all still scarred by Ant-Man and Quantumania that we talk about it, but we don't mm-hmm. talk about how cool Guardians was. But that's another podcast. True. Wakanda Forever is the movie that really gets overlooked. Um, but I, I agree that the Marvels was fun. I was really enjoying the middle of the movie. I have some thoughts <laughs> on like it overall. I I wouldn't say I dislike it. I just don't think I like it. It was just very bleh like I liked all of the um ideas and the concepts I loved the characters but to me like everything fell flat and everything had something that like prevented it from actually being what I would call good is this the marvels overall or just that second act just the marvels overall I think like like I can point to something I didn't like in every act but I will say that like a solid 70% of the movie, I think, was, like, just as good as any other Marvel movie. Um, for me, it just kind of completely collapsed at the end. But I don't think it's as boring as something like Quantumania. Like, Quantumania wasn't fun. But I do think the Marvels is fun. I liked it. I I have, like, a lot of, like, conflicting thoughts. Because I love Captain Marvel. And I'm such a big Captain Marvel, like, comic books fan. And, like, same for Miss Marvel so there was a lot of stuff I really liked about it I loved how fast-paced it was and I loved how they got like right into the groove of like we're switching places and we need to fix this in the the immediate team up but there was like some stuff like Uday said like where it falls flat for me for sure I feel like I don't know I, I so first of all you guys can't see this but Emily and I were talking in the pre-show when she says she likes Captain Marvel she's got a big poster of Captain Marvel behind her. So that's the perspective that she's bringing to this. Um, and I think that's totally valid. I really liked the Marvels. 
um, there was one section, which we can talk about later, that was like totally weird to me, but I just thought this was so much fun. Um, and, you know, the note that Ant-Man wasn't fun is totally true. The, the Marvels was, of everything you say about it, you can't say that it wasn't fun. Um, it was really fast paced. It was exciting. Every time, uh, you know, Kamala is on screen, she start like she steals the show. She's just such a joy to watch. And it's part of why I loved Miss Marvel. Um, and it was really exciting to me to see like a fresh team up because we've seen the Avengers, we've seen these folks and, you know, these three women, we haven't seen that before. And I really liked that. So that was fun for me. Um, so did you guys have really high expectations coming into the movie? Was this sort of what you expected or are you disappointed? No, I, I actually, I think that's why I like the movie because I had such, I didn't have expectations for it when a lot of the time I really do have high expectations. And that's kind of what leaves me disappointed sometimes is how high my expectations are. But I went into this kind of tempered. Um, I really liked Miss Marvel, the, the Disney Plus show. That's one of my favorite Disney Plus shows. I think it was really well executed. I think it kind of lands in the same vein as like Spider-Man in the way that that lands. Um, but overall, I kind of came in with like tempered expectations. And I was really like surprised. I think that the... I think that like Miss Marvel, like Kamala and her family kind of elevate the entire story. They elevate the plot when like Carol's involved, like with like um, Kamala's family and like Monica, I think overall, like the aspect of uh, the Khan family kind of is what elevated this movie. Um, I really enjoyed the second act too. I think Uday said that um, I really enjoyed when they were on the ship and bonding. I think that felt a lot like, I mentioned that felt a lot like No Way Home when it was like the three Spider-Mans were like kind of bonding like that. And that was like one of my favorite parts. I really like those parts where you get some character growth like that. Um, but yeah, in terms of, um, you know, where they're mentioning where the movie fell flat, I think I, I think I can agree with, um, with some of that towards the end. Now, Emily, you had, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but did yeah. you have really big expectations coming into this? Did you based I, on the trailer, based on everything? Well, I didn't have, like, huge expectations for it. Like, oh, this was going to be something that, like, connects, like, this is going to be, like, a huge stepping stone and it connects everything in the Marvel Universe to, like, the next phase. Like, there was obviously, like, that small stuff at the end. Well, huge reveal at the end. <laughs> Not small. Um, but my expectation was that it's bringing these three characters together that we've met so early on and that they're like so similar because it's Miss Marvel, Captain Marvel, and then there's the Monica and Carol connection. So it was just, I just expected them to come together and I was very happy the way that they were able to execute it. How about you, Uday? I have to be honest that um, I was really excited by like the first couple of trailers. I was really looking forward to it. And then in the final week, my expectations fell into the toilet. Like I, oh. I just got so exhausted by the MCU that I felt nothing about going to watch the movie, um, which isn't usually the case. Like usually I'm really hyped for superhero movies. I've definitely lost the hype for DC movies. Like I think with Black Adam, that's like the last time I was excited for a DC movie. Um, and with Marvel, I feel like I'm getting to that point where I'm losing the hype. And part of that is because uh, the marketing for the Marvels got extremely desperate. Like, that's the only way I can describe it. In the last month, it had the most desperate marketing I've ever seen from Marvel. 
And I really wish I hadn't watched that final trailer that came mm. out that Monday because it showed the entire movie. And I feel like that, if I hadn't seen that, I would have been a little bit more excited by the actual movie. Um, but like that final trailer that they released on Monday, I feel like contributed to like that feeling I had of like meh when I watched the actual movie. Um, um I do I do think overall like it surpassed my expectations, uh, in turn, especially in terms of the uh, action sequences. I thought the action sequences were some of the best we've seen from Marvel. Um, but other than that, it was kind of like all on, on par or below in some areas. Uday, I'm really glad you mentioned that trailer um, because I know that it had a lot of people talking. And I think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, it showed stuff that wasn't even in the movie at the beginning, right? So it, it showed like the Avengers and this dreamy sequence. And then mm-hmm. from the movie, that wasn't there. No, and I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong. Like, this is a franchise. There's nothing wrong with marketing these solo movies off the backs of what came before. Like, Shang-Chi had TV spots that, you know, talked about Captain America. And so did Doctor Strange, you know, where they show Captain America and Thor and Iron Man just because they want you to know it's connected. But what I didn't like about that final trailer is that it tried to sell the Marvels as, like, the sequel to Endgame, Mm -hmm. where it like put Carol up alongside the likes of Steve and Tony, but it was really obvious how awkward it was in the trailer because she doesn't have any scenes with them that you could put in there. And then it was also selling Dar Ben as like Thanos's successor. That started with a month to go. When tickets went on sale, Dar Ben started being sold as Thanos. Like they cut that line together from Endgame where Thanos is like, oh, like there will always be more to finish my work. Yep. And then Dar Ben is destroying planets. And that's just false advertising. Absolutely. And again, and it seems desperate. It seems like the movie can't stand on its own. And that really, really bothered me. And that took a lot of my excitement away because it's like, if the company is giving up on it, why should I care about it? So I just, that all left a bad taste in my mouth. The Darben sense, or the Darben thing kind of reminded me of clickbait in a way because, you know, Mm -hmm. you you have this headline, you have this, this idea that, okay, she's not, a justified villain she's just like this destroyer going after planets but okay you click the click the article or you you actually watch the movie and but no wait she actually has justification for why she's you know going gnarly um did you guys like darben did you have thoughts on her because i think that's a good moment to talk about her um <clears throat> people i saw a lot of people saying she was the worst mcu villain i think that's like really far from the truth mm-hmm. just because i think that she has the depth and the backstory there. People just aren't really bought into the hollow story like from Captain Marvel 1. And I think that really didn't do her any favors as a villain because people didn't really care about hollow. But in terms of her motives and like her backstory and, and her reasoning, it all kind of made sense. There wasn't anything out of the ordinary, kind of like how like an incredible Hulk when you had like, um, what's his name? The guy who played Abomination. What's the character's name? Oh shoot! The I'm, I forget. Emil Blonsky. Yep. Blonsky. He didn't really have like a motive in the movie. He just was a crazy dude, and like that's like an example of a bad villain. Like this villain at least hadn't like they they've kind of so like <clears throat> they just don't have enough people invested in the scroll and like the 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 Kree and Captain Marvel story because I feel like that was all kind of set up really well and, it, and it, they didn't dive too much into that into this movie because i think that's what people didn't like about the first captain marvel was they didn't really care about the scroll versus the decree and that was like i think what a lot of what um kind of lowered the movie 
Um, so I think in this, they really just focused on, you know, Carol, Kamala and Monica and, and they cut out a lot of like Cree, like scroll, like that whole kind of plot line. I think a little bit more development from her probably would have um, put her as like a mid tier villain. And then, yeah, I think she's a fine villain. I don't see any problems other than the fact that she, a lot of her development was probably cut out just to put more focus on the main characters. I also think that if Secret Invasion had been a little bit better and with like the scrolls and stuff, people would have cared way more about the scroll and the Kree thing carrying on from Captain Marvel 1. Because if you don't have that connection and you're just like leaving that huge story because it's clear it's and it's a huge thing in the comics too. It's been going on forever for like the whole time. It's yeah. been a giant war that they've had for eternity and like kind of have to have them care because especially where you have the young avengers coming in at some point too like teddy's like half cree half scroll like you're gonna have to care about it at some point you can't keep making it bad yeah i honestly don't think they're gonna do i don't think they're gonna do a whole plan honestly not only that but at the end of secret invasion like there's this reveal that we still haven't talked about um in the greater marvel universe that like everyone's a scroll it seems like um None of that happened or, you know, came up at all in Captain no. Marvel. Yeah, I mean, and Secret Invasion was pretty fumbled. <laughs> they, they, they've, like, that's such a huge story. Like, Secret Invasion is such a huge comic book story that everybody loves. And, like, that was just totally fumbled. I think they've just fumbled the scroll storyline so poorly. It's been so poorly done. And that's such an unfortunate thing to say. I know. Because, like, you want stuff like that to work, but it's just been so poorly done. And I think they kind of that doesn't really have anything to do with this movie. Like this, I know the scrolls were like, you know, the Tarnox plot was kind of like a it almost felt like a side kind of like side mission kind of thing. Like the scrolls got like roped into the story just because they wanted some continuity when really they didn't have much to do with the story. It was more so like Darben's crusade against Carol. And like yeah. the scrolls just got kind of roped in for continuity reasons, I guess. They were a victim essentially of all that, right? They they weren't like championing championing their own story or driving it in any way. They were just kind of incidental damage um, mm -hmm. along yeah, the way. Yeah, and I think I think that's such an interesting idea. Like, um, so full disclosure, I love Darben. I thought Darben like among oh. the among the pantheon of like bad Marvel villains, like quote unquote. Um, you know, I'm just talking about like those villains that don't that like just kind of come and go right the ones that are kind of forgettable no I think Darben is like yeah I think Darben is the best forgettable like MCU villain I gotta be honest like she had a great motivation um Zawe Ashton did a good job she walked around like with so much like swagger like there's this one moment like on Aladna when she lands on like the ship over the ocean and the way that she's walking forward I'm just like damn like okay <laughs> like I respect her pettiness. I think that <laughs> I mean you know, it's not like, petty, is it? It's like well, I think it is petty because it's like oh, like you know, like your planet is destroyed because of your own fault. No one told you to get in a civil war, right? Like <laughs> that's on you. Don't put that on Carol. It's not my fault you can't like figure out how to govern yourselves without an AI ruling you. But all of that was so interesting to me, and I loved Darben's backstory, like with the whole Hala thing. Because um, I'm upset with having it all happen off screen and like maybe I'll touch on that like more later because I really think that again like this movie should have been Carol destroying the supreme intelligence it should have been about like the Kree scroll war I think instead yeah. of letting that all happen off screen but that's such an interesting consequence I never would have expected 
that like the Cree Empire is like dead because of like what Carol did. And I think that also like offers a little bit more context to the first Guardians of the Galaxy, where like the Cree have signed a peace treaty with Xandar because I guess like they just can't keep up these wars without their like master strategist. And so that's just that's so interesting to me that their planet is dying because like they can't rule themselves. Um, and Darben, like, yeah, she could have gotten atmosphere off of any planet, but instead, like, she's targeting planets that Carol um, calls home, like Carol said in the movie, and that, that's petty, and that's, like, interesting. <laughs> um, I do think she was kind of underwritten. I do think, like, there was a lot more there that you could have done with her, especially because in the flashback, she's wearing a Star Force uniform, so does that mean that she fought alongside Carol? Like, I think there was Probably. a lot more opportunity there. Um, but like, come on, Darben is no worse, definitely not worse than like Malekith or Whiplash or like, yeah, whoever in like the Incredible Hulk. I think people are being way too dramatic about Darben. Yeah, she was, she's much better than Malekith, much better than Whiplash. Like, exactly. I think she's more personal. I think like, honestly, yeah. like that's the only, she's like the only thing that's carried over from the first movie. Yeah, pretty like, much. Like with the Hala storyline. And um, I don't know, like, I was just, I was surprised, given that Darben seemed like a weaker villain from the trailers, I was surprised that she had such an interesting backstory, because I was really expecting something, like, painfully generic, like Malekith, and I don't think yeah. she had a generic background. It was really well, like, laid out in such a short period of time. I'll give them credit for that. Like, obviously, there should have been more development, but I think the story was, like, the develop, like the backstory was laid out as well as it could be with such a short time constraint. And I do agree with Uday with, in terms of like the, you know, Captain Marvel versus the Supreme Intelligence should have been like Captain Marvel too. It should have been, but like, I think Marvel kind of was self-aware that people probably wouldn't really care for that. Like, and that's unfortunate, like, again, that's unfortunate to say, like, I think they probably decided to move on to a storyline that might suit better, like audiences better, which they thought probably thought that this was. And honestly, I do, I think that this, like, there should have been a way to kind of infuse like the destruction of the supreme intelligence and the war against the Korean and the scroll and infuse that with like this plot line. And I think that would have done the movie a lot more, a lot more favors. I mean, we're kind of talking about it. Like the movie's terrible. And I, I have, I don't feel like that at all. Like I, I think it's a very rewatchable movie. Like okay. the, it's a very, it's, it's short, it's consistent, fun, fast paced. It's very much so remind, like reminiscent of like an early 2000s superhero movie. Like, okay. And oh. there's a lot of rewatch value, I feel like, in terms of, like, if you just want to watch something that's, like, quick and fun and enjoyable, because that's what this movie is. It's, it's like, it's it's more so fun than it is, like, a, you know, like, a philosophical deep dive into, like, deep undertones and themes and stuff like that. It's more kind of straightforward, like I said. I think And, so. I mean... Sorry, I was going to say, like, we also mentioned Secret Invasion earlier, right? And I think Emily said if Secret Invasion was, like, received better, then, um, you know, like, maybe people would care more about the Skrulls and the Kree and everything. I honestly feel like, first of all, I know people joked about, like, oh, Sam Raimi and Michael Waldron didn't watch WandaVision when they made Doctor Strange, right? Um, and you can definitely, like, see the divide between those creative teams and those projects, but there is a much greater divide between Secret Invasion and the Marvels. They are like the only two things that are the direct sequels to Captain Marvel. And they both like go in completely opposite directions because one is like, 
I search the entire universe for you and there's no planet where you can live. And then the other one's like, hey, look, here's a planet that a bunch of scrolls are living on. Yeah, that's um, I want to make and I mean Emperor Droge Droge, right? He seemed he seemed like he was running a pretty tight ship. Everyone seemed happy there. And in Secret Invasion, they're like, oh, like we don't want to live with him. Um so I, I don't know, but I will say that I think the MCU has a problem with dropping a lot of stuff, like when they move from sequel to sequel. That's one of the things I love so much about Wakanda Forever is how much it like builds on the first movie versus the Marvels and Quantumania, which just throw out as much as possible from the previous movies for no reason. I think too, though, you know, you mentioned different creative teams, but I think it's actually a larger problem because I think the creative teams are just hired guns by Marvel. It's a studio level issue, you know, and, and we, we've seen time and time again, like um, we've heard time and time again that you know creatives who work for marvel get noted to death there are so many revisions last minute changes you know based on focus groups based on whatever so it seems like marvel studios itself has like an issue with inconsistency you know not necessarily related to the creatives but related to the team that's you know noting folks and hit and handing out these um these greater storylines not from like you know, the directors, not from, from all of that. I think, though, to back it up a little bit, to talk about um, Zoe Ashton, I think she was really, you know, you said underwritten, and I totally agree with that because she's just such a phenomenal actress. Like, she, I think she could have been, you know, a Thanos equivalent. Like, she had the stature, she has the presence, and I think she acted the hell out of, like, what she was given. I just don't think she was given all that much to work with. Well, and I mean, like, to me, that kind of takes it back to the sequel thing. Like, why is Dar Ben, some random Star Force member that got knocked down by some rubble, <laughs> the villain of this movie? Like, where's Yon Rog? Where's like yep. Minerva? Like, why? I mean, Minerva died, but that yeah. was dumb because we well, need more Gemma Chan. You know, you're, you're never actually dead with Marvel, so you aren't. And and I, so I'm like, couldn't they have just like they couldn't have been like oh yeah we stuck like her burned body in like some pod and now she's back to life and she and ron and yon rog have like taken over for the supreme intelligence like that's what doesn't make sense to me it, i mean yon rog isn't even mentioned in this movie you know like what happened to him that's the kind of stuff that really bothers me like when you just like so blatantly ignore stuff from previous movies and i get that captain marvel wasn't the best received and maybe marvel wanted to move away from some things but they didn't really move away from it because it's still about the Kree Empire, like being the villains at its core. Emily, what did you think? Um, so I think kind of like, oh, what was the point that you made? Kind of going back to like the stories with, where they throw things out and where it's like they're at the studio level, like they have a problem. I've seen this on Twitter and I think in our chats too, is that they have like a continuity issue and where they don't know like where they are in their stories and like what year it is where we're used to seeing like the opposite end on that and like Star Wars. Like we know like everything like down to like the made up year, but we're <laughs> in like our calendar time now. Like we're all caught up like on the five years later thing. So like how the hell do we not know where we are? Like I know there was even like a debate in Hawkeye where it was like, I think people are still lost on like, is it 2024 or Christmas 2025 in that story? So it's like what happens first and then like what happens after? I feel like we don't have like a clear timeline on it until it gets added into like Disney Plus. And they're like, this is where this is, and this is where that is. And 
this is the timeline and it's like that's great and all but like can I have something a little more specific maybe yep and isn't it funny too that after Endgame you know with, with that time jump we all thought it was going to be forever we thought you know those five years or whatever was going to you know just make things really confusing and I don't know if that's what made things confusing or just like you said Marvel's inability to to just give us any anything clear I think it's a mixture of both actually because like I've had this like thought where I'm like I feel like the Russo brothers kind of screwed them with that like five-year time jump but like also at the same time like it was kind of a good idea because like now we have these stories that fit in to that time but at the same time we're still messed up on telling (laughs) our stories now so it's very confusing were there any so so moving along just a little bit so was there anything in the marvels you know we've talked about some of the things that didn't work were there any like couple of moments that you thought were really well executed that were just really done well that you think okay like every marvel moving forward should have something as cool as this or as, as awesome as this I think their team up was done really well. I know like that was like obviously the main focus of it, but I think that's that's the literally the best thing about it was their chemistry and everything that they did together. I'll say Darben's little walk on Aladna and also uh, Kamala's family. I thought it was so so refreshing that the superhero's family wasn't just left behind on earth and that they actually went up into space and like kind of <laughs> went on their own adventure parallel to hers that felt very refreshing and very unique and shang chi did something similar like with his friend coming along but that felt more like someone overstaying their welcome and i don't think the cons felt like that at all her mom is so important to her story so i think that's why it was necessary for her to come along and i love her mom and the I don't remember the actress's name. She's Strauss, right? Yes. She's like, she, like the way she talks to Kamala, it's like they're really mother and daughter and it's like their chemistry is just so perfect. And she's just so inspiring when she told her that like last thing, she's like, I'm not going to let you go, but I am going to let you go. And she was like, you come back to me. (laughs) Like you have to come back. And And I also love that because, like, I mean, like, that's like my own culture. Like, I'm Desi. I'm not Pakistani. I'm Indian. But, you know, you know, it reminds me of my mom. And I saw the movie for the second time with my mom. And, like, every time Kamala's mother opened her mouth, my mother was, like, laughing so much. Oh. What about you, Andrew? Andrew, was there anything uh, that you really, you know, it should be? Um, Yeah. So um, I like the action. I think the action was really well done. I think Uday mentioned something like that earlier. Um, the action sequences, you know, I, I like long action. I, I like really like intricate action sequences. I think that's what makes a lot of action movies, action movies, you know, like um, that's, that's why they call them action movies is because of the fight choreography and stuff like that. And I think they really did really well with that. In this movie, the first fight sequence where like they all kept switching places on like the Kree ship and, and the Khan home, <clears throat> that was really well done. And the music was really fun. The choreography was really good. Like they did some really cool moves and stuff like that. And um, I think that the, you know, as rough as the third act was, I think the final fight between the three of them and Darben was really well done. They were really like kicking the crap out of each other. And like, I feel like you need more action sequences like that. And that was really fun. Like, um, I love like, I just thought it was cool. I thought it was really well done. 
Um, that was what I enjoyed the most about the movie was um, how well how well done the action was and how well done like the chemistry was between the group. The action, like the the switching, right? The the where they would all switch places, really felt like a comic book to me, and I thought that was really cool that they could bring that um, like bring that vibe to the screen. So I, I totally agree with you there. That was such a high point of um, of the movie, and just it, it was so well done. I think like the action just it felt so unique like there were several moments that made my eyes like kind of like bug out of my head a little bit where I was like that's so cool um and I mean like Shang-Chi had really cool action sequences it's kind of funny that I'm making so many Shang-Chi comparisons um and I don't think like the action in this movie is on the level of Shang-Chi because they're just such different like styles but that was like the last time that I felt like oh my god what a unique like fight choreography for a for a marvel movie and that's really how i felt here like with monica's intangibility like vision can phase like monica does but he's never done such like quick and like interesting moves that like monica did like people were talking about on twitter like when she pulled that energy out of that kree spear like punched him flew through him and then punched him back the other way (laughs) like all of that stuff and then also the fact that that wasn't shown in the trailers like going back to what I said about how I felt like I saw the whole movie in the final trailer, I was surprised at how many like awesome action beats weren't revealed in those trailers. Yeah, Naya Costa had said that she's like a big anime fan. So I think the action was very anime influenced. And I think that's a big, like, I think a lot of action is becoming anime influenced. And I think that's a good thing. Um, I think everybody, like movies need to continue to find new and innovative ways to do action sequences because there's just been too many Marvel movies where it's like, kick punch 50,000 cuts of the camera and then and it's just like that gets old after a while um it like originally was kind of reinvented by the Russo brothers in Winter Soldier with some really like intricate hand-to-hand combat and um the nice scene right yeah like stuff like that um how intricate like the the hand-to-hand combat was um I think people really liked that and ever since then I don't think there's really been like you know, action sequences that have been super intricate like that up until like Shang-Chi. I mean, No Way Home had some cool stuff, but I feel like a lot of the action sequences were kind of cut down um, in No Way Home based off of like a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, like the apartment fight in No Way Home between Peter and um, like the goblin. Um, It was really fun. Like they'd get thrown through floors and stuff like that. But I think that that was really cut down. Um, And I think that's a big issue with fight sequences is, they cut down on action a lot just because I think they think people are going to get bored with action that's too long. Um, but I think in John this movie, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, like unless you're a John Wick fan. Um, but I think this movie like um, had a good balance of action and um, like dialogue um, to fit into like because the movie isn't an hour and forty five minutes; it's like an hour and thirty because credits are about like 10, 15 minutes long um so yeah they had some good action sequences in there like i said i liked the third the uh the final battle was cool it was short but i thought it was cool um the, the choreography was really well done and um that was what i think i enjoyed the most and that was probably a big reason why i was like yeah this is great because if you have good chemistry good at action sequences i think um that kind of does it for me <laughs> in a way it's funny because normally when we talk about Marvel stuff, we're talking about the TV shows and we talk about, oh, we needed more than six episodes. Oh, we needed more than, you know, 30 minutes in an episode. Do you think that we needed more time in the Marvels or do you think we needed um, 
do you think this is something that Marvel should continue going forward? Do you think they should, you know, keep these tight 90 minute movies or do we need time um, to breathe? I, I think we desperately needed some time to breathe. I am not a fan of shorter movies in general. Like I did not like the runtime when it was first rumored. And I feel like there were a lot of people online saying like, oh, well, shorter movies means more showtimes, which means more money. And I really hate that argument because it has no water. Like the highest grossing movies on earth are three hour epics and game and Avatar and like Avatar 2 and Titanic. And I think like it's really disproven like just these last two weeks with the Marvels and Hunger Games, with Hunger Games being an hour longer and opening like exactly the same. And I don't, I also don't think it's an excuse. Like, yes, movie making is a business, but even if shorter runtimes did bring in more money, I think it's what's more important for the story. And for the Marvels, like it, it was very fast paced. Um, like the movie started like quickly and then didn't let up. And I don't think that's a problem at the beginning. I feel like several movies lately, I feel like have had rushed beginnings, not just like in Marvel. But I don't think there's anything wrong with a rushed beginning, like if the rest of the movie is paced well. Mm -hmm. I didn't think the Marvels was paced well. I found it really awkward how there would be emotional scenes and then like the characters would immediately just like move on like nothing happened. Um, like with the scroll memories and how upset Monica was and then like they just hug her and then everything's cool and like there's no tension anymore. And so it seems like that that I feel like needed to breathe a little bit more. Uh, I honestly would have loved longer action scenes because it felt like the final battle. Like Drew was just saying how cool it was. And I definitely agree. Like I really loved all of the fighting that was going on. But then it just feel like it, it feels like it ended really suddenly. And I feel like the movie in general, there didn't feel like a break between the second and third act. It felt like the second act finished and then all of a sudden the movie was over. Like my my biggest issue with the movie is the ending because it just feels like someone forgot to write an ending and they kind of just slapped something on it at the last second and then like cut to black as quickly as possible and I don't know if that's an editing problem or like a writing problem but I feel like 20 minutes would have helped the Marvels more than any other like rush to Marvel movie in the last couple of years interesting what do you think Emily I think it could have used like that extra 20 minutes like it could have been it could have easily been a two hour movie like no problem if they like as I agree with you Uday, there was there needed to be a little more tension in those like emotional moments like especially that first one between Monica and Carol on the ship when like they're fixing something it was like why weren't you there I want you said I you'd be back in no time and then they just came up and it was like Ah, and Kamala's like, hi, I love you guys so much. <laughs> and I am it, twinsies. And there was like, it felt like nothing there. Like they were bonding over Kamala for a hot second. But I think it could have been two hours. I do like the shorter movie though, because I don't think everything needs to be three hours. Because it feels like we're getting to like this point with movie and TVs, like overall, where it's like everything's a six to eight episode like thing. And TV shows are taking two years to produce and get out to people. And then like movies have to be like this three hour thing to be good. But it's like sometimes it gets boring when you drag it on for far too long and things <laughs> just need to get going way faster. So I think after Endgame, like keeping things like two hours and under is not a bad thing to be honest with you, because I know not everybody loved Thor Love and Thunder. I didn't really either, but the time that it was like an hour and a half was perfectly fine for that movie. And if we're going for these like kinds of stories, then that's fine, I think. I want to kind of dig deep into something you guys said about 
about that ending. So what did you, let's talk about why it didn't work. Why, um, what you thought about it. I felt nothing with Monica being stranded. Absolutely nothing. That did not land for me whatsoever. And I loved Monica and WandaVision. I liked her in this movie. It just felt like she got no depth. Apart from that scene with fixing the ship with Carol, I'm like, she felt so much more like a real character to me in WandaVision. And here she just kind of seemed like the third person in the group. And I was kind of disappointed at that, especially because Nia DaCosta was so, like she talked so much about how excited she was to like bring Monica to like the big screen and everything. And so like that didn't sit well for me. And then again, like everything just happened so rapidly. It's like they start fighting Darben. It's done in five minutes. Darben gets both bangles. She's dead 30 seconds later. And then Monica's like, somehow she knows exactly. I know that Monica's a scientist. I'm not doubting her intelligence. But she's like, oh, yeah, you guys need to charge me up. I'm going to fly into the rip and seal it. And then it's all just over in two minutes. Like the start of the final battle to Monica being stranded in another universe. I don't know how long it actually was because I don't time this stuff when I'm watching it in theaters, but it felt like it took eight minutes or less. Like it was just, it just fell completely flat for me. And that's why I said this in my review of the Marvels. I think it was the worst ending for an MCU movie I've ever seen in my life because it was just so anticlimactic. And that's what really kind of ruined the movie for me because up until like Darben went to get Earth's son, it was like right after the Fleur, Fleur Kitten sequence. Like that's when it all started going downhill. Um, and I think the way you leave a movie is so important. Like the ending of a movie is so important. And the Marvel's ending like that uh, just like left a bad taste in my mouth, even though I liked most of it up to that point. And like everyone I saw the movie with agreed with me. So I know like I'm not just like insane, but I don't know. I just, I thought it felt so anticlimactic. Yeah, I can probably guys- add in... Um, I could probably add in that I think that the ending was kind of recut a couple of times. Um, <clears throat> so like a year ago, I think the plot was out there. I, like I'd known the plot of the movie for about a year now. Um, I think that there was a time, I believe, where the ending with Kamala and Kate Bishop was a post-credit scene. And I think that the original ending was that it was Monica waking up in another universe with her mom. And I think that was kind of like flip-flopped. Um, I mean, I don't know if you guys noticed, but the last shot of this movie is of Kate Bishop, which just kind of feels weird in a Captain Marvel movie. Like you're ending the movie on Kate Bishop. So yeah, the end, I agree. Like it was just kind of a weird cut at the end. And the final battle was kind of like, the the whole third act was kind of cut kind of awkwardly. Um, That kind of just feels like because they were just cutting down on time. They wanted to meet like a time restraint. So yeah, I agree that the, the ending definitely had some issues. But overall, I don't really like, I don't really sweat it. Like, I'm not really kind of like up at night thinking about it. It doesn't really bother me. I could watch the movie again and not be bothered by like anything. Like, I, I feel fine with watch. Like, when I watch the movie, I feel fine with it. I'm not really like doing a super deep dive in my mind onto what's like, you know, production wise, what's wrong. And I think it's probably just because of how low expect, like, how tempered my expectations were and like they were pleasantly met. Um, in terms of runtime that we were just talking about, I know that we were talking about that a little bit ago, but I do have some issues with under two hour um, movies that are doing a lot of building, like world building. Um, I think Quantumania was uh, was like I know uh, 
you have to remember that the credits cut out about 10 to 15 minutes of runtime. So you're getting like a two hour and five minute movie. That's really like an hour and 15 minute movie. Um, and I think that shorter movies haven't really done any justice to Marvel and phase four and phase five. If you look, I think I mentioned this the other day, all the Marvel movies that were over two hours and like 10 minutes um, in phase four all performed really well at the box office and critically. And all the movies that were under two hours performed really poorly um, critically, like the Marvels, Thor and Love and Thunder, um, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, Quantumania. Um, I think all of those movies probably needed another 15 to 20 minutes to kind of settle in. Like Multiverse of Madness, I was kind of disappointed going out of because of how fast it was. Um, that was really my biggest disappointment was coming out of Multiverse of Madness feeling like there was too much going on in too much time and too short of time. There wasn't like the, like the beginning. And, and we, I think uh, Uday or we, we had talked about how the, you know, um, first act doesn't need to be super kind of long and um, set up. Like you can go fast through the first act. And I think that was the biggest problem with a couple other movies like Love and Thunder and um, Quantumania and Multiverse of Madness. Quantumania, you were in the quantum realm and like in under 10 minutes there was no first act um really so <clears throat> overall yeah i think you know wakanda forever no way home um i think there's one that I'm, guardians of the galaxy those three movies are all like two hours and 30 minutes or longer and those all were like the three highest performing marvel movies at the box office in the past couple of years so the runtime argument i feel like i'm more on the side of longer movies just because i like longer movies i feel like it gives you more time to settle in with the characters to write better dialogue scenes to flesh out characters and supporting characters more um it's, i guess it's just all about how your mind is framed going into like a movie and what your expectations are like in a way like i said with the marvels i was pleasantly surprised because i had low expectations but going into like love and thunder uh, i was really disappointed because it felt too fast and very under kind of um, developed. I think the thing with the ending was they really wanted to emphasize that there was another universe kind of like com clashing with theirs. So they wanted to emphasize on that. Hey, this is the incursion that we were talking about from Dr. Strange. And that's what you're going to see in the end credit scenes. And they wanted, that's why they wanted Monica on the other side and stuff like that was the whole point of, that was the whole point of the story. Or the ending, if you will. The movie um, in some ways. Yeah. And it's just, I think that that's what they wanted to get across. Was that was that was what was happening. And that's kind of what took away from like the final battle for me. Because it was so quick. And I honestly didn't even really like the final battle that much. I thought that some of the camera angles were very weird. I thought the choreography was a little strange in parts. Which kind of like took me out of it for a few minutes. Until the end when like Darben died. So I wasn't a huge fan of it, but I thought um, Monica's final like trans final transformation when she was glowing was really really cool, and she felt like photon then. I know we're yeah. um, sorry Ude, but I know we're starting to run a little bit short on time, and I kind of want to find out what you guys think about that Young Avengers, um, you know, pre pre ending scene, you know, where we end. I guess not pre-ending scene, pre-post-credit scene where we, we see, you know, Haley Steinfeld um, at the end of the Captain Marvel movie. And then also about the credit scene. I would love to get your thoughts on 
on those two things. I was going into this direction based off of what Emily said, where it seems like the purpose of this movie was just to set up Monica being in another universe. Um, that's honestly how I feel about like the entire end of the Marvel. So like the actual ending, the Kate Bishop scene and the end credit scene, which the Kate Bishop scene, like, yeah, we've known it was rumored to be an end credit scene and it felt like one. It felt like a very strange ending for a Captain Marvel movie, like Drew said. And I mean, it was cute. Like as a scene, I like, you know, parody parodying like the Nick Fury thing. I love seeing Kate Bishop on the big screen, but it fills me with exhaustion. And so does the other end credit scene. And so did Monica being trapped in another universe because I'm just like, when is it going to matter? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I just sat through this movie so that you could set up Young Avengers and Monica being in another universe and there's no Captain Marvel 3. Avengers Secret Wars definitely isn't coming out in 2026. Like, why do I care? Like, there's no Young Avengers coming. So it's hard to be excited for a scene where they start being recruited because there is no roadmap. There is no connection. Marvel just keeps chucking in new characters, new threads, and in their movies like Love and Thunder, like the Marvels, like Quantumania, they're just blowing through stories that could be interesting to set up things that they aren't prioritizing. And so that's what's starting to turn me off of the franchise. Like the Marvels is... I feel like, or it could be like a turning point for me personally, because I'm just tired of seeing stuff get set up while present like storylines are squandered. So I think that they're going to fast. Um, I think they're going to fast track Young Avengers. I think it'll be announced next year, probably at, at Comic-Con. I think it'll probably go into production like at the end of next year, probably. Um, I think that's what's kind of some rumors swirling that there could be a Young Avengers movie being made. Um, so yeah, I think that Young Avengers probably is on the horizon. I think it's probably what's next for Miss Marvel. It's probably what's next for Kay Bishop, you know, Cassie Lang, all the Young Avengers. Um, I don't really know how they're going to get there because Billy and Tommy haven't really been resolved and that's going to happen in Agatha. Um, and you have a couple other kind of characters that are a little bit fuzzy, uh, like Ironheart. So I don't really know how they're going to get there, but I feel like, like, Young Avengers has to be with, like in the next two years or so, probably two or three years. Um, in terms of the post-credit scene with Beast, um, I mean, I feel like that universe is probably going to be like part of the Deadpool three plot. Um, I would assume there's going to be like all the other X Men from the Fox universe will probably show up, probably in Deadpool. Um, so I feel like that's probably what's next. So I think that like the stuff that was set up at the end of this movie is on the horizon. I think that's purposely why they put this stuff at the end of the movie. I think that they're going to focus on young Avengers now and they're going to focus on like connecting to the Fox universe. So I feel like those are two big, like two big plot points that are like probably um, important to Marvel right now, just to kind of start setting up secret wars and making young Avengers kind of a significant thing. The only thing is I don't really know if there's much of an audience right now for Young Avengers besides like diehard Young Avengers comics fans. So that worries me a little bit, but um, yeah, I think it remains to be seen if it'll be like a movie or a TV show for Young Avengers, but I feel like that's gotta be soon. Um, overall, like <laughs> I know people were like, there's a big argument between um, Beast being CGI or putting Kelsey Grammer in the makeup chair for six hours for like a 30 second scene. And I think it's fine that he's CGI in the end. 
I, I didn't think bother he looked me that bad. Yeah. I thought he looked pretty good. Yeah, I thought he yeah. looked fine. Yeah, I thought he looked fine. I honestly wouldn't even mind if they kept him like that um, in the upcoming movies. Um, I don't really know if Kelsey Grammer wants to do like hours of <laughs> hours of prosthetics. That might be the determining factor. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, like obviously, you know, they're they're not there's not going to be a ton of beasts like be, like I'm assuming Kelsey Grammer will, will show up like another like you know in Secret Wars or something like that or in Deadpool three for like a second. So I think. Um, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think like, like hearing you talk about this, like, I guess, yeah, like maybe it does connect to Deadpool 3. I think what's bothering me about scenes like this is that it doesn't feel like Marvel is naturally building connections, um, like in these post credit scenes anymore. It feels like they're forcing connections to get to something that's already been announced. So yeah, I'm not like, oh my God, like what's next for Monica? I'm like, oh great, like Monica, we're not going to see her again until Secret Wars. Um, I just I don't agree with the whole way that they that they've been using post credit scenes in like phase four and now phase five because uh, it just it feels very artificial and it doesn't. I think feel... using Monica as like a bridge between the Fox and the six one six is a mistake, honestly. Um, I, I also that... don't. Sorry. Go ahead. I was um, just gonna say I don't I don't like that Fox and Young Avengers is like what we're focusing on when we should just be focusing on having like a new adult Avengers team. Like it is still to this day baffling to me that there is no Avengers movie before King Dynasty. That it's just like, oh yeah, let's assemble the new Avengers for the first time when they face the Thanos level threat. Like a 10 year old could tell Marvel that that's not how they replicate the success of the Infinity Saga. Well, I think that might be a good note to end this all on <laughs> a, a final thought. So thank you guys for being here. Um, thank you all for listening out there. This has been another episode of the Cosmic Circle, the official podcast for thecosmiccircus.com. Uh, who are you and where can we find you? I'm Drew Reed and you can find me on Twitter at DrewReed1099. I'm Uday. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube at Golden Ninja 3000. And I'm Emily, and you can find me on Twitter at EmilyMCD11. And I'm Isla Ruby. You can find me at Writes on Twitter. And you can find all of us again at thecosmiccircus.com. Thank you so much for listening. Good night.